0: to be here tonight? Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing Sweet, Sweet Spirit. Miss Betty sings next. All right. And then right after that, we'll uh, have a baptism.
1: You were stabbed. Holding to the shepherd's hand The valley you just came through Was hard to understand Then the shepherd draws you closer There's something he wants you to see then He points back to the valley And unfolds its mystery. As the eagles soar around you And you look back on where you've been One by one He answers questions That he did not answer then He now shows you the danger Of going your own way All those roads you thought were better Would have led your soul astray He reminds you of that moment when you could not make it through. Now you see one set of footprints where he reached out and carried you. As your tears fall on his shoulder, And you thank Him for His love. He says, Child, I knew that one day You'd see this valley from above. Things look different on the mountain From the shepherd's point of view. Standing high above the trials That he brought you safely through All the valley's disappointments Will never look the same to you For things look different on the mountain From the shepherd's point of view, all the valley's disappointments will never look the same to you. For things look different on the mountain from the shepherd's point. I want
0: to just talk to you just for a second. How many of you used a hymnal on that last book? As I was looking out, I said, most of you just sang it because you know it. You've been singing it for the last. How many years? For me, 42. I know the words of that song. I don't really need it. I hold it because it makes me look good. And uh, y'all got to loosen up just a little bit, okay? Uh, there are all kinds of hymns in the hymnal. This morning, um, as Brother Denby was preaching, and even a while ago, while Miss Betty, by the way, beautiful song, was singing, I thought about this hymn. The whole time he was preaching this morning, and, I, and I'm just assuming that was the Holy Spirit saying, listen here, boy, you need to do that in the night. And so uh, I got to thinking, how many of you know the words to love lifted me? No you know love lifted me? And we always sing it. You know, real fast. Uh, uh, how many of you think about the words when you sing it? Right. That's exactly right. We don't think about what we're singing about. And that's the reason I want to do things a little different. I want to make you think. Because we did not come here this week or any other time to listen to me sing. Okay? I'm not a showman. I don't put on a, I don't put on a show. I'm not a performer. I didn't go to school to be a performer. Uh, I do what I do because I like to praise God and I like to lead others in worship. And that's one thing I want us to look at real quick. Will you turn in your red hymnal to number 11? the Red Hymnal number 11, I want you to just look at the words, To love lifted me. Here's what it says. And you think about your life. Maybe people in your, in your life that you know about that fit this description. I was sinking deep in sin. Far, far from the peaceful shore. When was the last time you had peace in your heart? far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. This is the best part right here. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. That preaches, doesn't it? Amen. Look at the second verse. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll clean. Man, this is the commitment you make. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits, you know what that means? He loves me so much, I should give Him the very, very, very best I got. Merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to Him belongs. And then this one. Pay attention. Because it's a warning. Souls in danger. Look above. Jesus completely saves he will lift you by his love out of the angry waves he's the master of the sea billows his will obey wow billows y'all know what those are those storms that we go through They they obey him he your savior wants to be And here's the plea. Be saved today. And then we get to say, Love lifted me. Can you sing that tonight? Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, Love, His love lifted me. Will you sing this with me? We're going to sing it slow because when we sing it slow, you think about the words. We're going to start right there with the first row. Here we go. I was sinking deep
2: in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Seeking to rise no more But the man Master of the sea, heard my despairing cry, praise the Lord, from the waters lifted me, now say am I, let me hear you now, here we go.
0: You to do the verse, the chorus, I mean, a cappella for me one time. Can you do that? Alright? We're going to go to church, church of Christ here just for a second. Alright? Lovely.
2: Come on. Love fed me when.
0: You've been lifted. Will you stand, please? Love lifted me. Come on, I want to hear you from your heart.
2: Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Look at here. Love lifted me.
0: Thank you. You can be seated again. Thank you so much for singing. Don't y'all love doing them a different way? Makes you think about it. Makes you think about it. We're going to sing a song here tonight, 10,000 uh, Reasons. I got at least 10,000 reasons to praise the Lord. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a young man in our church who's a quadriplegic. He had to go to the hospital because he had a bleed on his brain. And uh, if you've ever had to deal with that, you know that that's a, that's a serious issue. And after being there several days and nobody having any answers, and really they still don't have any answers as to why he had the blood bleed. But uh, Brother Michael, you remember that Monday when you and I were sitting and ta- I told you about this and we prayed. Uh, I love your pastor, by the way. Y'all love him. Amen. And uh, he said, let's just have a word of prayer for Seth. And we did. And we prayed that he would just be healed. You know what? They still don't know why he bled. It stopped. He's still got really bad headaches because it's soaking into his system. It's got a, and it's giving him really bad headaches. So y'all keep praying for him. But he was... They don't know why. It quit. And he's going to be okay. Praise God. Praise God. My God can do anything. Anything. I got more than 10,000 reasons to praise Him. And His mom, who's a very good friend of mine, texted me, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship His holy name. When she found out that He was alright. He was going to be okay. That That was the words of her text. And the next Sunday we sang that song at church and I said, Mary, I did that because that's, you inspired me that day. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Here we go as we sing. Bless it. If you know this one, sing it. If you don't, learn it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my
2: soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh, my soul, i worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. His holy name, sing like never before, oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and You're slow to anger, Your name is great and Your heart is kind, for all your goodness I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find Bless the Lord, oh my soul oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. And on that day and dawn, when my strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. 10,000 years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. i worship Your holy name. Once again, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, i worship Your holy name. Lord, i worship Your holy name. Yes, I worship your holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name. Yes, I'll worship your holy name. Lord, I'll worship your
0: holy name. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Bless the Lord, on my soul. We're going to sing one more. I don't know how you feel about this place. There are places in my life that I go that I know the Lord is there. Church is one of them. Uh, Actually, to be honest with you, He's everywhere I go. I don't always remember that. But He's there. But in this place, He is awesome. He works miracles right here in this place. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing, You are awesome in this place. You are awesome
2: in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place of a Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. We're going to do that again. You're awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Saba Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. praise Jesus now. We are standing in His presence on hold. of peace. Troubles vanish. Hearts are mended.
0: Real quick, what I want you to do is I know who's on your right and who's on your left. I just ask that you would just say a quick, quick prayer for those on either side of you tonight. You don't know who's got troubles that they really need to vanish in their lives. Pray for them right now. Father, we come to you tonight praising You and thanking You for lifting us up out of the places we were in. That You loved us so much that You sent Your one and only Son to die on a cross for our sins. Thank You, Father, for all that You do and all that You've done and the many, 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 many reasons that we have to say thank You and to praise You and to worship You. Father, bless these services this week, especially tonight, as Brother Dimby comes once again and breaks the bread of life, speaks from your holy word, not his heart, Father, but yours. Use him tonight. Help us to hear, and not just with our ears, but with our lives, with our hearts, with our very soul so that we can come into this world and make a very, very, very large difference for others in our world who don't know Jesus Christ. Father, use Him tonight. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
3: I tell you, I can feel the presence of the Lord in this place tonight. It is so good to be back. and. Worship a true and a living God. He is not a God that is afar off, but He is a God that is near. And I'm glad tonight that He is a God that we can feel. He is a mighty God. Tonight, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Old Testament book of the prophet Jonah. The Old Testament book of the prophet Jonah, the second chapter. We're going to begin in verse 10, read through verse Read through chapter 3, verse number 5. The second chapter of the book of Jonah, and verse 10, and while I'm preaching about Jonah tonight, I'm really preaching to you. I'm preaching about you, your life, and your relationship with with God. Jonah, the second chapter, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. And I want to call your teaching tonight to verse 1 of chapter 3 for the foundation of this message. Verse 1, chapter 3. And the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. The Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And I want to preach tonight on the subject, He's talking to you again. I believe that God speaks to men. He speaks to us through His Holy Word. He speaks to us through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that He has a still, small voice. You say, well, I don't hear God. Well, maybe you're not listening. (laughs) Because He is a God that speaks to men. And before you sit in judgment of Jonah... Some of you said in here tonight, God has spoken to you time and time again about your life. Changes that you need to make in your life. Something that He has called you to do, or He has asked you to do, commanded you to do. And it is best to obey God. Let me say that again. It is best to obey God. In chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible tells us that Jonah heard the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. God called Jonah... Into the ministry. He called him to be a missionary. A missionary evangelist to the the Syrian empire, the greatest city uh, probably on the face of the earth in in that day and time. A wicked city. Now, the Assyrians were the arch enemies of Israel. They were constantly in, in war with Israel. And they, they, they did not take any captives. They It was their practice as a, as a nation, a foreign army, that they would kill Jews. They took no one prisoner, took no one into captivity. And so there, there was no love lost between the Israelites and the Assyrians. And God is calling Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preached to the Ninevites because he said, if they don't repent within forty days, I'm going to destroy the city of Nineveh. And what does Jonah do? Look in the third verse. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going unto Tarshish. So he paid the fare off, went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, let's bring this a little bit into perspective. We all remember 9-11, don't we? When those airplanes, those passenger jumbo jets flew into the world trade centers and shortly after that, we knew that it was a terrorist attack on America. Now, we didn't know at the time that it was... Al-Qaeda and the nest of those terrorists were in Afghanistan. But let's just say for a moment that we knew that those terrorists came from Afghanistan with the heart of the Afghan people to, to attack America. And you knew that. And all of a sudden, God spoke to you and said, I want you to go to Afghanistan and I want you to preach to the Afghans to repent of their sins, most of us would have done exactly what Jonah did on that occasion. God, I'll go anywhere, but not Afghanistan. God, I will go anywhere, but I'm not going to Nineveh. These are our enemies. So what does Jonah do? Jonah says, I'm going to take me a vacation. I'm going, I'll go down to Joppa, I'll buy me a ticket, I'll get on board that ship to Tarshish, and he was so settled in his decision, listen to this, he was so settled in his decision that he went down into the ship and went fast asleep, and listen, some of you or many tonight who are Christians are doing the exact thing that Jonah did they are taking a vacation from the service of God and they are fast asleep. Fast asleep. Jonah thought, I can get away from God. Listen to what David the psalmist said. In Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8, he said, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, out there, God is everywhere. Just like our music director said tonight, if I go here, He's there. If I go there, He's already there. He's omnipresent. He's a mighty God. You can't outrun God. You may be like Jonah tonight. You're trying to get away from the call. You're trying to get away from the presence of God. You're trying to run from what God wants you to know, to do. Let me tell you, God is going to overtake you just like He overtook Jonah. Everything's fine with Jonah. He's fast asleep. Down in the ship. And what does God do? Listen to what it says. It says in our text, in verse number 4, chapter 1, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. God sent a storm that was greater than any hurricane we could ever think of. Now, there are two types of storms in the Bible. There are storms of instruction. Instruction. Remember when Jesus told His disciples, He said, get into the ship and go over to the other side. And while they were in the midst of the ship, there came a mighty tempest. That was a storm of instruction to teach those disciples that no matter how bad the storm gets, Jesus said, I'll come to you and I'll be with you in the storm. And then there is what I call a Jonah storm. That's not a storm of instruction. That is a storm of correction. And let me tell you, God can prepare a storm so that we will be corrected in our lives. You say, well, why does He do that? Because He loves us. And He's got something for us to do when we get saved. You say, well, Brother Demby, I'm just coasting along right here. And... Uh, uh, nothing's bad going wrong in my life. I, I don't, I don't see a storm, and uh you know I, I don't always go to church like I, I need to, or uh, I, I know I need to be doing something better. And I know God's spoken to me about my my spiritual relationship with Him, and and my apathy or my complacency. God has spoken to me, but. But, but I don't, I don't, I don't see a storm on the horizon. I, I, let me give you this illustration. I remember when I was, I'm gonna get this thing mastered before the week's out. I, I remember when I was a little boy. And my, my, my mother, my mother, she, she stayed sick a lot. And, and I, I can remember, she would she would be in bed because of the sickness that she had, and I was the oldest of six children and the oldest of in the family. All is always the one that gets in trouble. I mean that's just the way it is. And for the most part, I I, I was at fault. And Mama would say, "You wait till I get up from here. I'm going to get you." When I get up from this bed, boy, you've got one coming. I'm going to give it to you. Mama. God would always raise mama up. <laughs> Every time, without fail, God, thank God He's a healing God. And He would raise mama up. And it would be days or weeks, and one day, mama, mama said to me, she said, come here, boy. I mean, I'm walking in order. I ain't not done anything wrong. I forgot about that, but Mama ain't forgot about it. I mean, I forgot about it, but Mama had it wrote down. I'm going to get you, boy, when I get up from here. And Mama would say, come here. And she'd get my daddy's belt and start at my ankles. And come up. You got it right, boy. And I'd get the whipping of my life. Did I deserve it? Yes, I did. Because I was disobedient. To my mother, you say, "Well, what's going on with me?" God, you're saying to you, "I'm going to get you." Come on, somebody. God said, "I'm going to get you." You cannot get away from God. You cannot disobey God and get away with it. Listen to this passage in Jeremiah chapter 31, in verse three, and I love this passage because this shows us. The heart of God. It says, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God is a gracious God. The psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so what, what does he do? He, he, he works with us. He, he pleads with us. He is Long suffering to us. But yet, there comes a time when, when if those cords of loving kindness, if those cords of loving kindness does not pull us back into the fold, into the center of God's will, all that's left for God to do is send a mighty tempest into your life to get your attention to cause you to see that you need to be serving God. I'm thinking right now of Naomi and the book of Ruth and her her husband and those two boys that left Bethlehem Judah in a time of famine. And the Bible says they heard that there was bread down in Moab. And so they they go to Moab. You, You can read it in the first chapter of the book of Ruth. Ten years passed. First, the husband died. Those two boys had married Moabite girls, Orpha and Ruth. And within a small frame of time, both of the boys died. And there's Naomi with with those two daughter-in-laws of uh, uh, heathen daughter-in-laws, Moabites. But but thank God, Ruth was brought in. That's not a part of the sermon, but I've got to tell you that the long-suffering of God and the loving and kindness of God will work through our mistakes and bring about some good if we will lean upon God. Give this microphone. If it falls off again, I take it off. And there's Ruth. Somebody tells her, There's bread in Bethlehem. And she goes back to Bethlehem. Somebody sees her on the street. It had been years. And they said, Naomi? I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Naomi, is that you? Naomi. And she said, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. I went out full. But the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And I'm here to tell you tonight that things may be going smooth. You may have you may have built a new home. You may have plenty of money in the bank. You may be healthy and wealthy and everything in between. But if you're walking in disobedience, God is saying, you better get your heart right because I will empty your life, your bucket, and bring you back to a place of service. You know the story of, of Jonah. He's fast asleep. And the mariners who were pagans, and and you can read it in that first chapter of Jonah, uh, they, uh, the captain of the ship said, throw off everything that we don't need. And he said to every every sailor on the ship, he said, call on the name of your God. You see, the idea was somebody on board had done something to anger their God. That's why the storm came. Those those pagans had more sense at that time than a backslidden prophet. I'm serious. He's fast asleep in a storm. Somebody comes and wakes him up and says, "There's there's a mighty tempest on this sea. Wake up, sleeper. And Jonah says, well, I, I, I know what this is all about. It's about me. Just throw me overboard. And you'll be alright. Reluctantly. I mean, they did everything they could. And reluctantly, they threw the prophet overboard. And the Bible says in that first chapter of Jonah, verse number 17, it says in that verse... Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God sent a storm. God prepared a fish because a prophet did not want to preach the preaching of the Lord to some folk who needed to get saved and have a pardon from their sins. Now I know what... Some skeptics say, and some unbelievers. I was reading after a uh, he claimed to be some religion, I don't some Christian religion, quote unquote. And he said, you can't believe all the Bible. Now let me tell you, just let me just tell you, if you can't believe the first verse in the book of Genesis, yeah, you, you can't believe none of it. But it's all true. It's all God's word. Let God's word be true in every man alive. This book is true. It's not, it's not allegory. He said, no, you can't. He said, he said there was nobody by the name of Jonah. Jonah didn't really exist. And a fish can't swallow nobody. Well, my Bible says that there was a prophet, a disobedient prophet by the name of Jonah. God sent a storm and prepared a fish and the fish swallowed him. Jesus in the book of Matthew. When those Pharisees and Sadducees came to him and said, I mean, he'd already done miracle after miracle. And they said to him, Lord, just, just give us a sign that you're the Messiah. And he gave them the sign of Jonah. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and nights Jesus believed that there was a man who lived on this earth by the name of Jonah. So I believe it. <laughs> and while Jonah says it was a great fish, Jesus said it was a whale. Now when I was going to school, I don't know whether it's like this now, or not but in, in, in the, on, on the library card, it said... A fish—I mean, I'm sorry—a whale is a mammal, but God calls it a fish. Now, listen to me. On the library cards of Earth, it says a whale is a mammal, but in God's library in heaven, God says it's a fish. I made it, and I know what it is. And some of you. Well, you can just take it up with God. You can argue with God about that part of it, okay? That's not what's important. What's important is, is God prepared a fish. And then, then then that same liberal, so-called theologian professor said, he said, a fish's mouth is not big enough to swallow a man. Well, what does the Scripture say? Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish. God gave the fish a big enough mouth. <laughs> God made His mouth big enough to swallow a backslidden preacher. And he stayed in his belly for three days and nights and the first thing that whale did is went to the bottom of the ocean and began to feed on the grasses, the seaweed. And here's that prophet. He's doing some serious thinking. And then he begins to pray out of the belly of that whale. He remembered when he went to the tabernacle of God. He remembered going to the house of God with praise and glory. He remembered how it felt to be in the presence of God and to serve God in obedience and truth. He remembered that. He repented of that sin of rebellion. In the belly of that fish, and God commanded the fish, spit him out. And the fish spit him out. You know, we could learn something from these animals in the Bible. I mean, God spoke to a donkey one time and said, Donkey, talk, and that donkey talked. God gave thumbs up to a rooster, and the rooster crowed. Because Jesus had told Peter, and He said, "You may you'll deny me, but that, that the, you you will deny me thrice, and that rooster's going to crow." That's What He said. So, if animals, a rooster, and a donkey, and a whale can obey God, why can't we obey God? I mean, if God tells me get up, son, it's it's time to go to church. And let me just tell you something. I'm I didn't intend to preach this, but when I was growing up at home, I didn't have no choice on Sunday morning. I I told y'all a little bit last night about my I was saved when I was seventeen years old, and my my mother. And now listen to this, my mother was a saved Methodist. She knew she was saved, but she didn't have scriptural baptism, so she started going to West Hamilton Missionary Baptist Church there in the community I grew up grew up in. And I'll tell you the name of it. Don't laugh. It's a real name. You can Google it. Goober Hill. That's it. That's where I grew up. Shelby County. And my mother came in there. And I'd been out late Saturday night. And she'd come in there and she said, boy, you're going to church with me in the morning. I said, mama, I ain't going to church with you. I ain't going to church with nobody. I ain't going to church at all. She didn't say nothing. She just went out of the room, politely closed the door, and I'm sitting there thinking, mama didn't argue with me. A few minutes that door slang wide open. She had my daddy's belt. And she said, you're going to church. I'm 17 years old. She jerked the covers back. She started at my ankles. Worked herself up. And by the time she got to my knees, I was coming out of that bed. And I got ready. And I went to church. I got under conviction Sunday morning. Didn't know what to do. Couldn't wait to get back Sunday night. And I got saved. And from that day forward, when Sunday rolled around, listen, church was not an optional thing. And today, we seem to have this mindset that that God somehow is optional in my life. God's not optional. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. The gods on the other side of the flood. The gods that the Amorites serve. But he said, as for me and my house, we will serve God. And here's Jonah. I mean... His, his thoughts must have been, Lord, I I have blew it. There, there's no way that God can use me. I have messed up. But the Bible says, and the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad tonight that God is the God of a second chance? Aren't you glad tonight that God is the God of a third, fourth, fifth chance? It doesn't matter how many times we fall, how many times we slip, He is a God of grace and mercy and He'll lift you up. He'll forgive you if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now listen, that fish spit Jonah out on dry ground as a direct command, as a direct word from the Lord. The Bible said it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Verse 2, chapter 3, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. Preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now, the Bible says that it was a three days journey to Nineveh. But old Jonah made it in one day. You said, well, how did he do that? God anointed the man's legs to get there. Now, he wasn't the only fast runner in the Bible. There was one other fellow in the Bible, prophet too, by the way, that could outrun Jonah. Elijah. Remember Elijah? Remember the prophet that called fire down from heaven? He issued the challenge. He said, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, serve Him. If Baal be God, serve him, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. You know the story. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He made the sacrifice and the fire prayed, and the fire of God fell on that altar, consumed up the sacrifice, the wood, the water that was in the trench. And then the prophet said, and reigned in three and a half years. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And God told him, He said, you tell Ahab. First the servant looked out over the Mediterranean, came back and didn't see anything, went seven times, came back, finally told the prophet, he said, "He said, I see a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. And then God spoke to the prophet and said, you go tell Ahab to prepare his chariot. And Ahab... And I've been, to, I've been to Samaria. And you can see the remains. Acres and acres. Hundreds of acres of, of remains of stables where Ahab, he, 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 he loved those fast horses. And he took his horses to the chariot. Popped the whip, And those horses began to go back to Jezreel. And the Bible says, And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. He girded up his loins. I hadn't been preaching too long. and I was preaching on that text and I said he girded up his lines. Everybody went to laughing in the church. I had no idea why they was laughing at me. But he girded up his loins. And the Bible says that he outran the chariot of Ahab to Jezreel. Let me tell you, if God's called you to do something, He'll equip you to do something. And here is Jonah. Now, I don't know whether this is the way it was or not, but I've read after people who claim to be and probably are a lot smarter than I am, that if you were in the belly of a fish for three days and nights, it would probably bleach your skin white. Scripture doesn't say that. But boy, it was something that the Holy Ghost used to get those Ninevites' attention. Because when he got into the city of Nineveh, he began to preach the preaching of the Lord, and the Bible says that they all believed. And archaeologists tell us that there were probably somewhere around 120,000 people, and the Bible said the whole city. Now, I don't know whether that means everyone in the city or it's representative of the greater population of the city, but it says the whole city Wouldn't Think of that. A short message, an evangelist, and nearly 120,000 people get saved. Wow. But the heart of this message is tonight that God may be speaking to you about some things, and you think well he'll never be able to use me again God's talking to you again he 's talking to you again. listen this time. I know we live in a different time, and sometimes when we preachers preach you you can you can see the eyebrows kind of lift a little bit, but do you know tonight that God hadn't changed his mind about sin? I was preaching. In a revival meeting not too many weeks ago and, and I was preaching, in the message it came out, you know, I don't care what the politicians say, I don't care what modernists say, same-sex marriages, that is an abomination in the sight of God. It is seen. It is seen. And I could see a few eyebrows lifting back in the back and I won't go into any details but I know why that happened now. But let me tell you, God may be talking to you about a sin that's in your life. God may be talking to you tonight about some disobedience that's in your life. And you know what? The Bible says that there are not only sins of commission, but there are sins of omission. Things that we know that we ought to be doing that we're not doing. And God may be speaking to you Again, he may be saying to you, I can still use you. I can still, I still got a place of service for you. Are you listening to me? Jonah was ready to preach the word of God. And tonight he may be speaking to you again about some things that you need to change in your life. About something he's wanting you to do. Listen to him. Don't, don't, don't let it take a storm to get you there. Don't, don't, don't let it take a, a giant fish to get you there. Don't, don't let it take some, some storm of correction to get you to where God wants you to hear his voice. I'm going to close the message with this illustration of my own life. When I was 19 years old, I, well, actually, I had just turned 20 years old, and our our oldest daughter was born. She was a premat. She weighed three pounds and four ounces. She stayed in the hospital, Women and Children's Hospital in Beaumont, Texas, for about four months, and we would get to see her in the morning, at noon, and at night. And the doctors came out and told me and my wife, said, if if you're this was within a few days after she was born, he said, he said if, if if she lives because of the high saturation oxygen content, she will probably be blind all the days of her life. It devastated me. I went to reeling in my own heart because at that time I was still hanging on to some of that music that I was singing, and I was still doing a few places that that I, I I I knew wasn't right. And God was dealing with me. And it broke me. And my wife and I went home that night and we knelt at the end of our bed. And I led in the prayer and I remember vividly. And now, don't get me wrong. you You don't make deals with God, but when you're desperate, when your heart's breaking, when you know that there's a storm in your life of correction, and you've been disobedient to God. And I said, Lord, I know I'm not worthy. But I said, Lord, if You'll just spare my little girl, I'll never sing in any of those places anymore. I mean, I was trying to hold to the world with one hand and God hold to the other hand. But Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And I was trying to serve two masters. And I said, God, let my little girl live. And I said, Lord, not only... And I felt that this was the Holy Spirit put it in my heart. I said, Lord, not only let her live, but give her a gift to use in Your service. And there was a peace. I didn't know what God was going to do, but there was a peace that came over my heart and my wife and I went to bed. And the next morning before I would go to work at 7 o'clock at 5.30, we were at the hospital and they had called the doctor in and I saw the doctor coming at My eye. I just melted. I just knew it had to be bad news. And he saw me crying. And he saw me breaking. And he came to me and he put his arms around my shoulders. He said, He said, My friend, I don't know what's happened. But your little girl, we've checked her eyesight. She's got perfect eyesight. We've cut the oxygen off. You can take her home at the end of this week. I mean, I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you tonight, somebody said, can God do that? He's God. He can do anything. But I'm here to tell you tonight that if God is speaking to you, Don't let it take a storm. Don't let it take a fish. Don't let him that let it be shaking your world till you're broken on the inside and outside. But if God is talking to you, listen and do what God wants you to do. Lord, I don't know how to close this sermon tonight, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to close it and and give this altar call tonight. Don't, don't, don't just shove it off your shoulder. But if God's talking to you tonight, listen. You may not be a prophet, a preacher, a missionary, a pastor, but he's got something he wants to change in your life, or he's got something he wants you to do. And he's talking to you again. He's talking to you. Are you listening? Let's all stand as we prepare to sing. I'm going to pray and Brother Michael's going to come and take his place here in the front with every head bowed and with every eye closed. Heavenly Father, tonight as we, Lord, as we come to the close of this service tonight. Lord, the time that the Holy Spirit pulls and draws upon the hearts of men and women and children. Lord, I pray tonight that someone will hear and will heed and won't run from You, Lord. If there's someone tonight that's cold and indifferent or backslidden, Lord, and they know they need to come back, Lord, I pray that you'll tenderly and with love and kindness draw them Back to Calvary tonight. Have Your way in every heart and every life here. Lord, if there's one that's not saved, we pray tonight that heart will be open and we'll receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would You come? Talking to you. Not an audible voice, but that still small voice. From heaven's throne, he's calling. He's saying, I've got something for you to do. You've been somewhat lukewarm. Somewhat indifferent. He's calling you tonight. You may be that you may be that prodigal that's in a far country tonight. He's calling you to come back. Would you heed the warning? Talking to you again, would you listen? Why will you linger tonight and heed not the mercy of God? Won't you come? Jesus is calling, calling, all sinner. Would you come tonight? He's pulling ever so gently on your heart. He's saying, I love you. And maybe you're thinking tonight, well, I've messed up and God can't never use me again. Calling you, won't you come?